0: Praise God. I love it when the Lord shows up and I feel like the work that needed to be done this morning is mostly already done. I can just go home now. I can just relax and preach the word. I don't, I don't feel like I'm having to, to uh, do some big thing this morning because he's already done it. Amen. <sighs> that was good, wasn't it? I love being in the presence of God. Nothing like it. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans, chapter 5. And, uh, you know, I I think there are probably some Sunday mornings that you didn't feel like coming to church. I don't know why you'd feel that way, you know, when I'm preaching. It's just so good that, you you know, I don't know why you feel that way. But sometimes your flesh, you know, you just feel like, I don't feel like coming to church. And then, man, when you get here and you get in the presence of God, there's no feeling like it in the world, is it? Just... Being with the people of God, being in the presence of God. I love that we serve a God we can experience, that we can, that we can feel. It's not based on that, but I love experiencing God, and He's a personal God. He wants that level of fellowship and intimacy with us, amen? And if you don't, if you say, well, I don't have that, well, you can, okay? Keep coming, keep coming, keep yielding to God, and watch what He does in your life praise God okay so we're in our Christmas series last week the title of our sermon was called the first Adam and the the second this week is called the second Adam and we're answering the question of why was Christmas necessary in the first place why did Jesus have to be born as a man why did the Son of God have to come as a man and this is an important question it's a foundational question to Christianity because the alternative was for God in heaven where he was at to just fix everything from there right Why, why why couldn't he just how how does God perform miracles how does he do things? what does he snap his fingers does he speak things into existence you know how does he answer prayer how does he do things but in this case the way that this was accomplished was what was what by the son of God being born through the Virgin Mary being born and becoming a man becoming a human being why was that necessary that's a pretty important question isn't it as we celebrate Christmas so many people are celebrating the the natural things when they think about Christmas they think about the star of Bethlehem they think about the manger and, and the animals they think about the shepherds and they think about all these natural things but I don't know sometimes if we really understand the significance of why this event had to happen in the first place? So last week we spent a lot of time talking about how sin even came into this world in the first place, and it came in through the first Adam, the first man, Adam and Eve. And so we we established how God gave uh, the earth and the authority of the earth over to Adam, and then through Adam's sin, he delivered it to Satan through his sin and rebellion. Romans chapter 5 we're going to read this again Romans 5 12 it says therefore just as sin came into the world through one man well what does that mean that means when Adam was put here there was no sin can you imagine an earth with no sin no sin and it came in through one man sin came into the world through one man and death there was no death we were never going to die we were going to be eternal beings just like God sin came in and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned verse 17 for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ you see he's comparing the first Adam with what the Bible calls the second Adam which is Jesus he says, if sin came in through one man and spread to all, he said, so will righteousness come in and spread through all through one man. Spread to all through one man. Verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So do you see how he's connecting these Adam and that one sin? You see, this is why the Bible takes sin so serious. Every single injustice, every single pain, every single hurt, every bad thing that you've ever experienced in this life can be traced back to one man's sin. He let it in through his rebellion and his disobedience to God and you go, well, is that fair? Is that how it works? I mean, why are we still dealing with the consequences of that? Well, we talked last week about the power of freedom, and that through your freedom, you can hurt a lot of people, can't you? You, you could walk out of this church today and make a decision that would kill yourself or kill other people. That's how powerful our choices are. You could, you could go out of this room today and make a decision that would hurt a lot of other people, and it had nothing to do with them. It had to do with your choice. That's the power of choice what God made when he made man he made completely free beings in his image that were like him it reminds me a lot of what we walked through in 2020 with COVID now I'm not gonna say that one man was responsible for COVID you know, I, I don't know, but I, ha, I imagine in my mind, like, there was a genesis, you know, there was a beginning point. Maybe they're over in a lab somewhere. You know, we heard all these theories. Who knows what really happened? But maybe they're over in a lab, and, you know, and they're, and they're working, and there's, like, this little Petri dish, and there's this, 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 this virus that's contained, and one ding-dong, you know, one, one ding-dong, he made one decision. He forgot to shut a lid or flip a switch or something, and the next thing you know, the world's upside down. I, I don't know if it was one person. I don't really know how it worked. But there was this disease that was contained. It was in its place, and somehow, some minimum wage, work. no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Somebody had a, had, a, had a lapse of judgment and let out COVID, and it spread one person at a time, spread from one country across the ocean, spread to the whole world, and bef- until before you know it, the whole world was impacted by that disease. And, it, and now, was it any of our fault? No. One person's choice led to it, and it spread to the whole world. So you literally just walked this out a few years ago. But this is what happened. Adam had so much power, and when, when he and Eve made that single choice to let sin in, it was the worst decision that humanity had ever made, and it spread to every single human being right from then. I want to read this same passage to you uh, from the New Living Translation. It says it a little bit different way. Uh, Romans 5.12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ. Wow, this is an important statement. He says, Adam is a son of Christ who was the second Adam. So Adam is a symbol representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death. Yes, sin, death came into the world. Alright, we can, we can finger point, we can blame, we can go wish it didn't happen that way, but it did. And, and our gracious God didn't leave us there. He provided a way of escape and a way of victory over this powerful thing that we live with every day called sin and death. But it wasn't here. It wasn't on the earth at first. Adam let it in. And what the Bible calls the second Adam solved that problem. So the question is, how did Jesus coming as a man accomplish this, right? Because that's what Christmas is celebrating. Christmas is celebrating God in the flesh, the Son of God coming to earth, being born as a man. Now, how did Jesus coming as a man accomplish defeating sin and death? And so we're going to get into that. And the important thing that you need to understand, we're going to look at several scriptures, but the important thing that you need to understand about this is that God can't do anything that will violate his holiness or justice. Now, when we think about God, a lot of times what we think is he can do whatever he wants, right? And so that's where we get these type of questions. We think, well, if God can do whatever he wants, can't he just snap his fingers and make the whole thing right? Well, the problem is is that he wouldn't be God if he did that because God cannot violate his holiness and his justice. God cannot sin. The Bible actually specifically says God is not a man that he should lie. He cannot lie. He cannot sin. So, to, So when he gave authority to man, he set up this earth. He set up this planet with certain rules and certain structures, and he cannot just violate that, snap his fingers and start over, or he would literally cease to be... God in that sense so he had to do it through the parameters that he set up he had to do it through the authority that he had set up you know that'd be just that'd be no different than uh, you know if you've seen some of these game shows where people win lots of money and things like that and they set out all these rules and parameters and then all of a sudden they don't like the result and they go oh well you know we're gonna change the rules now you're you're not gonna, gonna take it from you and we're gonna give it to them well that's not just that's not that's not right, that's not fair. So God had to figure out a way or had a plan all along of how he would accomplish this without violating his core and essential character of his holiness and justice. And the way that he did it, it goes like this authority was given to a man, it was lost by a man, and only a man could recover that authority. At least in a legal So, Adam lost it, he had the authority, and he lost it, and only a man could recover it. And so, it was essential that Jesus came as a man to accomplish this. This is one of the reasons why I love this statement that Jesus said. He he said, you think I've come to abolish the law? He said, oh no, I, I didn't come to abolish the law. On the contrary, I came to fulfill it. So when he came on this planet, what he was doing, he was the first man that ever was able to accomplish and fulfill the law of God perfectly without any sin. He was not subject to sin and death the same way that Adam was and the same way that every other man after Adam was. This is one of the reasons why Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin because the sin nature is passed down, was passed down through Adam. But Adam was not Jesus' father. So when Jesus was born, he was not born with a sin nature the same way that you and I were. This is why it was crucial that he be born of a virgin and did not have an earthly father. First Corinthians 15, 21 says this: For as by a man came death, by a man also has come resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 45, thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a living, life-giving spirit. So you see, it refers to Jesus as the last or second Adam so his identity there he's accomplishing the same thing in a sense that Adam should have accomplished but couldn't he's coming and almost starting over in a sense regaining that authority from a from a spiritual standpoint now it was essential that Jesus live a sinless life I think you can put this together as as why but the only way to defeat sin is to never yield to it in the first place. If you sin, sin wins. Think about this, okay? So let's go back to the COVID example. All right, the only way, imagine that there's no, this is, there's no vaccine, there's no cure, there's no anything. What's the only way to avoid COVID? Y'all know, y'all tried this, many, many tried it, right? Stay in your house, put yourself in a bubble, never have contact with another human being, Never go outside, never do anything. Isolate yourself, be, get, and hopefully, by isolating yourself from every germ, possible, you know invisible thing, known to man, you, you'll stay in this little bubble and you'll never get COVID. By the way, this is just uh, never mind, I'm not going to ask that. This, this, was, this, was a, this was just a curious question, my own nosiness. It had nothing to do with the sermon, just forget it. but The only way to not get COVID was to isolate yourself. So you remember that, right? That was the big protocol in the beginning, right? Stay at home, you know, uh, social distance, you know, and, and stay away from everybody else. So the only way to defeat COVID in the first place was to not be contaminated by it, not come in contact with it. And so it is with sin. Now, sin, the disease of sin, the way, that, the way that sin conquers is by yielding to it. I can come in contact with sin, but that doesn't mean I have to yield to it. Right? I can be tempted to sin, that's not the same thing as sinning. But the moment I yield to sin, what does the Bible say? The wages of sin is death. So the moment you yield to sin, death enters. And so Jesus, for this to work, without fail, perfect record, he had to come in contact with sin on a daily basis and never once yield to sin. Never once say a wrong word, a hateful word. Never once yield to the temptation to lie, cheat, steal, hate, not forgive, all the all the things that God says we're to do, to follow the law perfectly, because he was the one that was going to defeat sin, and in order to defeat it, he could not yield to it, because the moment that he yielded to sin, he would have been defeated by sin just like Adam was, and his whole thing would have never, would have never worked. So that was the first reason. He had to live a sinless life, because he was here to literally defeat sin, the other reason he was here was to offer a sacrifice for your sin and my sin to die in your place to pay the penalty for sin well if he had his own sin then he wouldn't be paying the penalty for your sin he'd be paying the penalty for his sin so in order to be sinless he had in order to pay the penalty for your sin he had to have he had to live a sinless life it would be uh, it would be like if this was in a regular court of law And someone went in and they said, well, I want to pay this guy's debt, you know, or I want to serve his sentence. You know, this guy's been sentenced to 10 years. And you say, well, I I want to serve that in his place. And then they look at your record and they go, well, hold on a minute. There's a warrant out for your record. You got your own sentence to serve. I'm glad you showed up. And they put the cuffs on you. They go, no, you can't serve his sentence because you got your own sentence to serve. This is why Jesus had to live a sinless and perfect life. It's the reason why he had to be born of a virgin. He could have no sin nature, and he could, never, he could not have his own record. So when he showed up as the perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice, it was to say... I'm going to pay their debt, and the reason why I can pay their debt is, number one, I'm not in bondage to sin because I've never yielded to it, and number two, I don't have to pay the wages of sin, which is death. So I do this voluntarily. I lay down my life voluntarily for them in their place. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Yet without sin. Now this may be hard for you to grasp because you think how did he live all of that time and never sin?" Especially when you realize from Scripture that you can sin with your thoughts. Especially from Scripture when you realize you can sin with your motives. Especially from Scripture when you realize you can sin by omission. In other words, I I was supposed to do something and didn't do it. That now becomes sin. It's not just sins you commit. It's sins of omission as well. The Bible says for him to know that he should do good and doesn't do it, for him that is sin. It's a long list. It's a high standard, and he never sinned once. He, he was tempted in every respect, so he understands it, he sympathizes with it, he, he, he relates to us, but yet he did it without sin. And you might say, well, yeah, but that was easy because he was God. But the truth is, he didn't do it as God. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he emptied himself of the divine nature it would actually be more accurate to say that he did it as Adam see when Adam came Adam was not in your situation because when Adam came Adam didn't have a sin nature Adam was in a perfect environment he had never yielded to sin and he wasn't dominated by sin like us you know after Adam there's never been a perfect man other than Jesus some of the women said yeah but what about the women no well never been a perfect man or woman okay never been a perfect one none of us can do it but part of that reason is because we have inherited a sin nature and we almost cannot help it we're dominated by that sin nature now praise God Jesus came to set us free from that but we still experience it Uh, until we leave this earth it's always going to be something that we battle Adam however didn't have a sin nature and Jesus didn't have a sin nature so he didn't do it as God per se he really did it if you want to be more accurate and understand how he did it he did it more like Adam than he did like God he did it as a man that was born without a sin nature but yet it was more difficult than it was for Adam because Adam was born into a sinless perfect environment the second Adam was born into a world filled with sin temptation and sin on every corner but he never he didn't have a sin nature and so he where Adam failed Jesus succeeded where Adam yielded to sin Jesus overcame and defeated sin one of the more interesting passages that demonstrate Jesus as the second Adam is found in Luke chapter 4 I want us to look at that this morning as well, Luke chapter 4. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, And when they were ended, he was hungry, and the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And and we keep going through these different temptations that Satan offered to Jesus. And I've always found this passage to be just really interesting, you know, because it reminds me first of all it it actually feels like we're seeing the garden all over again you know if you go if if you go back to the garden what do you have you have Adam and Eve they've got instructions from God they've got the law that they're supposed to follow and then you have this serpent show up and he starts the same kinda same kinda talk you know and, and the first thing he asks Eve he says well did God really say you know, and then he, he begins to question God's character, and it's almost like I'm, he's just asking questions. And he's, 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 what he's really doing is he's beginning a battle of the mind, because our, the mind is where we make our choices. And see, this is something important that you got to learn quickly about Satan, is that he has no power or authority over you except that which you give him. He can't make you do anything. All he can do is get you to choose of your own accord, to choose out of your own mind, to make the decision. That's why our choices are so powerful. You may have come in here today, and you feel bound. You feel, oh, I can't stop this. I can't quit. It's a lie. It's not true. By the power of God, yes, you can. You can choose. You can choose right. You can make a choice to live differently, to lay anything down anytime you want. Didn't say it'd be easy. But by the power of God, yes, you can. You can choose correctly. So this is the battle you begin to see with Satan. Now I need you to understand that what Satan is doing here, this is the connection between the first Adam and the second Adam. What Satan is doing here in Luke chapter 4 is the exact, he's trying to get the exact same result that he got in the garden. He's trying to get Jesus to relinquish his authority. If, if he wins here, what's at stake? If Jesus yields, if he, if he yields to Satan, if he yields to sin in this moment, what happens? Well then you and I are still dead in our sins because of all the reasons we mentioned before. He's, he can no longer die in our place. He can no longer be the spotless lamb to die in our place. And as far as I know, God doesn't have a second son. It was just plan A. That was it. He says he's the only begotten son, right? So he can't. it's not like he's got another option. If Jesus fails, well, I guess we're just left dead in our sin. But the same thing that happened in the garden is what is happening here. Satan is coming to Jesus, and he's trying to get him to yield. He's trying to get him to sin in any way that he can. But watch how Jesus handles it different than Adam handled it. So he he talks to him about turning the stone into bread. He doesn't yield to that. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But this second one, this this second thing that's mentioned in verse 5, it's what reminds me most of the garden. It says, and the devil... And before we go there, I think about this too. I wonder because he tempted Jesus three times. And then it says he left him for a season. So then that makes me wonder going back to the garden. I wonder if Satan had other tricks up his sleeve in the garden. Like they they blew it on they blew it on temptation one. So we never got to hear his other tricks his other tricks that he had laid out. But I, I wonder if they had said, oh, no, we're not going to do that. I wonder if he'd pulled something else out of his, tr- and they'd had to overcome that. And then it says he left him for a season. So w- would he have come back again in another? And, and every time they had to exercise their authority and say, no, we'll not do that. We'll serve God. We'll live for God. And why things were set up the way they were, I don't know, but I know this. before sin ever came, Before sin ever came onto the earth, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil existed. And just think about the name of that tree. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So evil existed already. Now, it wasn't on the earth. It hadn't hadn't spread to mankind. But Satan and evil already existed. It was already there. And, And all Satan was trying to do was spread it into a place where he had no authority to spread it in a place where he didn't belong and he succeeded with Adam but with Jesus Jesus succeeded he overcame Satan he overcame temptation he overcame sin he overcame death now let's look at this second temptation it says the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. Now, we established last week that his statement here is correct. He does have the authority over all of these kingdoms, and it was delivered to him. It was delivered to him by Adam, and he gives it to whomever he will. That, is, that, that statement is correct. We verified that from three or four other scriptures last week showing that he is the God of this world even Jesus called him the ruler of this world three times in the Gospels so his statement here was correct and we did have to verify that because Satan lies we know Satan lies but in this case he was he was telling the truth this was correct and so he looked at Jesus and he said you see all these kingdoms you see the world you see everything in it it's been turned over to me But I'll make a deal with you. If you will worship me, it will all be yours. Now, see, again, this sounds a lot like the garden. I mean, I want you to understand what's going on here. Okay? Let's go back to the garden first the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What was Satan really offering? This is what I believe. He was offering Adam and Eve something instantly that God was going to give them over time. You see, because the knowledge of good and evil was something that they needed to have eventually. It is like your children. You know, when they're two and three years old, we shield them, we protect them. We don't want them to know all the horrific evils and perversion that exist in this world. But over time... We have to slowly teach them and educate them for their own safety and, and for their own protection and preservation. We have to slowly, at the right time and at the right age and at the right level of maturity through love and relationship. might be different with each kid even. At one age, this kid is ready, but this one might not be ready for a while. And you, and you take time to slowly introduce them to the, the truths and the evils of this world. Well, through relationship over time, God, God wasn't withholding anything from Adam and Eve. He wasn't going to just hide from them the, the knowledge of good and evil. But he was going to bring them into that over time in, through relationship as a good father would at the appropriate and right time. But what Satan said is God's keeping something from you. You see, this, this is there and it exists and you can have it now. You don't have to wait. You can, you, can, you can bypass God. You can go around God and you can have this now. Does this sound like anything that you've experienced in your own life? Because I'm going to tell you, God's process is always a lot slower than yours. But there's probably always another path and another way you can get that thing that you're after. Oh, the, And it's Satan's path. There's probably a way you can get that promotion you can get that satisfaction you can get that joy another way than doing it God's way but listen it will always cost you in the end and satan wasn't looking out for adam and eve he comes across like this big helper oh no god's keeping it from you let me help you let me help you get this knowledge he said because and then it says when eve saw when eve saw that the tree was good fruit and to make one wise she said yeah I'm, I'm going to go for that but Satan was deceiving her he was lying to her and, and the bottom line is that something that our good heavenly father was going to give them in an appropriate fashion over time Satan said no you can have it now you can you can have it in an instant you can take this shortcut but the problem is it wasn't a shortcut it looked like a shortcut but it was a long cut it wasn't a shortcut. Some of you rode with your husbands before. Yeah, you know, shortcut turn into long. Okay, anyway, it wasn't a shortcut. Matter of fact, it's been thousands of years of problems from that one decision. Here again, is the exact same thing that is happening because Satan doesn't have many tricks in the book. It says the devil took him up and showed him. We're back in Luke, Luke 4, verse 5. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to him. How many of you know that Jesus is the heir of all things? How many know that Jesus is going to inherit the authority and the glory of, of all the world, that he's going to rule and reign? All this is his everything that Satan's is offering him is already his but the process to get there is was a long one as a matter of fact it's still not complete it's still not complete but the Bible prophesies and talks about a day that Jesus will literally physically come to rule and reign on this planet and that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord and he will rule and reign over everything that Satan is offering him right now. But what is Satan offering him? A shortcut. He's saying, you can have this now. You don't have to wait for that. What's interesting is, had, had Jesus bowed his knee to Satan, I believe that he actually would have forfeited all of this. That what he was offering him the authority in the world in the in the rulership in the kingship what he was offering him actually he would have yielded all of that to Satan and that we would actually of course we would actually be in a worse situation uh, than, than we are now but he was offering him that shortcut verse 7 he said if you then will worship me it will all be yours and Jesus answered him it is written You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Praise God. So isn't it amazing, every time that Satan tempted Adam, Eve, every time he tempted Jesus, the answer, the the alternative and the answer to what Satan was offering is what God Was offering what what God's Word was on that on that subject and so that always ends up being the the question it always ends up being the issue am I going to yield to what Satan is saying or am I going to yield to what God is saying and in the case of Jesus every time he said no it is written and he spoke the Word of God and he declared the Word of God so essentially the idea I think is that you're gonna yield to something okay you're gonna yield to Satan or you're gonna yield to God you're gonna yield to the words and thoughts of Satan or you are gonna yield to the words and thoughts of God and in those moments all of us have have that choice but praise God that Jesus did not yield to sin he did not yield to Satan and and in doing so he conquered the authority of sin. He had conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered and and actually he, he defeated the authority of Satan. Now, we're going to get into this next week. Next week, we're going to actually get into why or, or how Jesus crushed Satan's authority and how now we have this split kingdom situation where we have the kingdom of darkness and we have the kingdom of light, but it's not always going to be that way that's a temporary situation as well but what we're learning is why Jesus had to come what was the purpose what are we really celebrating at Christmas we're not celebrating a cute little baby in a manger we're celebrating something far greater than that we're celebrating a life we're celebrating a life of the Son of God that came to this planet out of love laid aside his divinity didn't have to do it could have stayed where could have left us in our situation came willingly gave his life for you and I to redeem back something that we should have never lost in the first place to give us a new path to give us a choice to give us a way out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Now that's something worth celebrating. Amen.